0: This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We've been talking for three weeks on Design for Destiny, and we're actually going to um, wrap it up today um, in the final message called Fulfilling God's Will. We've been talking about God's will, how we've made it out to be this This difficult thing in our lives, you know, are are you fulfilling God's will, God's call for your life? And and, and people, there's some people that spend their entire life praying and begging for God's will, that it would be revealed to them, when the reality is God wants us to fulfill His will for our life more than we do. God wants us to fulfill our purpose more than we do. And so we beg and we ask God what His will is. And the reality is, he's right beside us, and he's shouting it. He's shouting it because there's nothing he wants more. But sometimes, how many of you, like me, can sometimes make things way too difficult in your life? Any of you have the gift of complication? (laughs) You can just complicate anything, no matter how simple? As believers, we can do that a lot with God's Word. Uh, So anyway, I wanted to go back for just a minute we talked about the first week. We talked about God designed us in his image, right? That was number one. God designed you in his image. Why? So that you could have fellowship and relationship with him. He can love you, and you can love him in return, and you can return that love in ways that no other creature in creation can. We talked about number two God planned your life before your birth. He meticulously thought and dreamed and planned for your life before you were even conceived. That's called purpose, guys, right? It's great news. Thirdly, we talked about true peace, joy, and fulfillment can only be found in your purpose. You may have all kinds of things in life that you're good at. You may have all kinds of things that you enjoy, but you will only find true peace and fulfillment and satisfaction when you're doing what God has called you to do. And then we went into the next um, uh, two weeks ago, how do I find God's will? And I talked about, number one, you have to surrender your life and, pers- and pursue him. Surrender your life to Christ and pursue him as the only way... To find God's will for your life and God is ready he's saying I'm ready to reveal my will to you are you ready to get serious that's his question to us and then I talked about number two examine what God has already placed in your life to look at our, the giftings and the talents that God has placed within you to look at the passions that God has placed within you look and see what the people around you say and as encouragement about you what has been placed in your life because God has already given you everything you need to accomplish his will it's all in there. It is finished, right? And so then we talked last week about following God's will. I said, so you're at the point where you're surrendering your life to God, you're actively seeking his will in your life. So now how do you begin to follow his will as you're trying to, to, to get the revelation of what it is exactly what you do? And we talked about number one is starting small. You're not, if you all of a sudden, God touches your life and you make this change, you start seeking him and you feel like God called you to be a pastor, you're probably not going to be a pastor of a mega church tomorrow, right? You start small. You start with whatever he's placed in your hand. And I gave you a couple things under that. I said, begin with God's word. You want to know God's will for your life? It is absolutely in his word. And if you follow his word and do what it says, you will find yourself in God's will. We talked about begin to serve. So many people don't serve because they're seeking God and saying, well, I'm just not sure what God's called me to do with my life. Well, begin to serve. Try all kinds of things. Do all kinds of things to serve God. Begin to teach. Begin to sing. I mean, there's so many things that you can do in our church. You can uh, teach kids. You can help with Hope House. You can be a Boy Scout leader. You can help with maintenance. You can go on a missions trip. You can lead a small group. You will figure out what it is that you love. You will figure out your passion. We also mentioned number two was write down the vision. Throughout the New Testament, the Old Testament, we see all these different places where God would give a word and he would say, write it down. Because when his word is written down, we can always come back to it in a moment of discouragement. when We're not sure if we're headed the right direction, doing the right thing. We go back to his word that's written down. We got to number three, be willing to take steps, understanding that God generally reveals his will in steps to us. And each one of those steps is is a place of growth for us. So as we are fulfilling his will in that area, he's growing us and getting us ready for that next step. And when we're ready, he reveals the next one, and we step into it. And each step we're, each step that we take, we're headed toward the dream, his purpose, and his will. Uh, and then lastly, I talked about number four, obey his leading. If we're going to seek God for his will, we need to be willing to obey as he leads us. Amen? God may lead us to do things that don't quite make sense or don't quite seem comfortable. And that's alright. I do encourage you in those moments especially when you're first starting out to get confirmation and to seek godly counsel but be willing and ready to do whatever God calls you to do. Because his dream for your life is much better than what you could ever dream of yourself. So uh, so with that I'm going to take us into the last part here. We're going to talk about fulfilling God's will. This is where we're going to kind of wrap this up. Um, you know when we talk about fulfilling God's will, this is really it's really about focus and perseverance. And perseverance doesn't seem like a good word to us. Persevere. It's like, oh, you think of terrible things, when you think of persevering. But that's really what fulfilling His will is about. It's about seeking Him, following him, and persevering. And so I'm going to give you a few things today and You should have had notes in your service guides. You can follow along on there. You can also follow along on the app um, online. But number one, fulfilling God's will for your life, number one, keep seeking him. Keep seeking him. It's been the first, (laughs) for surrendering to him and seeking him, it's been the the, the first step in each one of these things. We've got to keep seeking God. And it's funny because we can get to a place where we feel like God is using us and we kind of begin to slack off. And we don't seek Him like we used to. And we feel like we're making a difference. And I'm I'm doing, I'm, I'm making a difference in the kingdom of God. I'm doing what God's called me to do. And we kind of begin to step away and not seek Him like we used to anymore. We have got to keep seeking Him. We are not going to know His will and we're not going to fulfill His will if we're not getting into His word, if we're not spending time with Him. It's not going to happen. It doesn't matter to me if you're 14 or if you're 89. There's no age on this. You keep seeking them every day that you have breath. Amen? I also would say, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this today, but you also need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. A lot of denominations teach that you're filled with the Holy Spirit the moment you receive Jesus. We don't see that scripturally. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is a completely separate step after you surrender your life to Jesus. The function of the Holy Spirit is to draw all of mankind to the Father, and to empower us to help accomplish that purpose. Does that make sense? So we need the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We need the gifts of the Spirit active and operating in our lives today. Look at the world. We need this. So if you're going to fulfill God's will for your life, I'll just tell you, it's, it's going to be a little easier if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And we can talk about that more. We go through that in class 201. At the end of service, if you have questions about that, come up and talk to one of our prayer partners. And they can, they can lead you, point you in the right direction on that. But So we're talking about keep seeking him. I I, I made a few points under this I want to share with you, I think are in your notes. A is be sensitive to his leading. So you're seeking him, you're following after his will, be sensitive to his leading. I, I hear so many Christians say, well, I've never heard God speak to me before. As you begin seeking him, as you get serious and you surrender, you'll begin to feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And you'll have moments, divine moments that are set up that God will place you in, and you'll feel that nudging, you'll feel that urgency, and you'll know that you're supposed to act in this moment. And sometimes it's very subtle. I've got a, a good friend that, that, uh, that I work with that we, we've become very close friends, but he grew up uh, with a lot of bad theology and very hurt by the church, and he hasn't been a committed part of the church since he was a teenager. Not our church, but another church. He did come and visit here for the first time this year, and, and you know, I, I, I wait for the right moment and the leading to speak, because I, I don't want to push him back further away. He's already gotten too much um, uh, bad teaching with wrong motivation in his life, so I'm not going to force this on him. I wait for the right moment, and I know sometimes I feel that nudging to say something, to speak a word. It's so funny. I just got him to finish listening to the entire um, uh, Free Indeed series by Robert Morris, and it's so funny about a week ago we were on a job and we're just talking not anything about the lord and all of a sudden he speaks up and he says uh hey i i made i made a decision this week i said what he goes you know he goes i, I gave my life to christ as a teenager but he said i i came to one conclusion i said what he said i decided i ain't got no business going to hell it's <laughs> exactly what he said He said, so I've uh, so rededicated my life to Christ, and I'm going to get things right. And I, I said, we're going to see you at church. And he said, one step at a time. <laughs> I said, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Look for the leading. Sometimes it's real subtle like that. Some of you remember, I, I think I mentioned it, but last year when I was sitting on that airplane, and, and this lady sat down next to me, and, you know, she sits down and never makes eye contact and doesn't speak and, you know, that kind of thing. And I I never felt a nudging so hard. And I'm not one that generally just sparks up conversation, you know, with somebody in an elevator or on a plane, you know. I, I can kind of sit there absorbed in a book, you know, or a movie and whatever else. I knew I had to say something to her. I didn't know what in the world to say. And I finally just looked at her, looked over at her. She didn't move. She had to see me looking at her. I'm right beside her. I said, How you doing today? And she goes, I'm fine. And I thought, oh man, I gotta say something else. I was hoping that would be the icebreaker, you know? And I just looked at her and I said, are you sure? And all of a sudden, she just breaks down and she's sitting here bawling on this airplane. That's all I'd said. Are you doing okay? Are you sure? And I mean, people are looking around. She's just, ah, you know, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you know, and, and she said, I was on a flight from Chicago back to Memphis, and, and, uh, and she said, um, she shared with me that she caught an emergency flight real quick because she found out that her uh, grandson had, uh, had just been killed here in Memphis, and she was on the way to the funeral, and I just put my hand on hers, and I just said, I am so sorry. I said, can I pray with you? And she said, yeah, and so I just sat there, and I just prayed over her, and you know what? I've never seen that lady again. I probably never will. And who knows what in the world kind of difference that will make? You never know. Don't lie to yourself and tell you that God can't use you to make a difference. You may not see the fruit of what he leads you to do. Somebody else will. I was thinking about talking about being sensitive to his leading. I was thinking about one time, some of you have heard that story before. We were driving home late one night from Treve and Sherry McGee's house. and Any of you have ever been out there? You know, that's some country roads if you go the back way. Pisgah, back down there, across Macon, and down to Raleigh-LaGrange, and we're about to pull out of there, out of not their subdivision, that little country road, and uh, and take a left on the Pisgah, and it's pouring rain, and I felt like I was supposed to go right and go up here to Highway what 64, and get on 40 there, and it was weird. I just felt like I need to take a right turn, and I thought, nah. I'm not scared of these dark, rainy roads, twisty, windy country roads in the middle. And I took a left turn, and as I was driving, I got more and more sick to my stomach. And I thought, by the time we got to Macon, I thought I was going to just puke. It was terrible. I was like, what is wrong? And we stopped there at the stop, at the stop sign. If any of you know where Macon and Pisgah is, man, it's the middle of no honking wear. I mean, it's like, Phew. and we're sitting there at that stop sign, and I just sat there for a second, Sean was looking at me, and I was like, I got to turn. And I took a right turn and immediately that was gone. Sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to you when you're sensitive to His leading and He wants to save you. Who knows? Who knows what would have happened? Maybe the Lord just wants to see if I'd do it. Maybe there was going to be a deer in that road. Maybe those roads were very slick. Who knows? But we've got to be sensitive to His leading. I talked last week about even moving back here from Illinois About the day that I knew that our time was up. The Lord had just spoken to me a few months before and said, You're right where you're supposed to be. About three months later, bam, in one moment, it was time to go. I was like, What in the world? I just knew it in a moment. And sometimes we even talked about sometimes being sensitive is leading, sometimes the dissatisfaction in your heart is God leading you to a little bit of a course correction. You feel like you're not making a difference, you don't feel fulfilled and satisfied need to be sensitive to those things. So we're talking about being sensitive to his leading. B, I want to talk about resist the enemy. We've got to resist the enemy. Now, I'm one, if you know me, I don't like talking about the devil a whole lot because I think that as the church for a long time, we, we, not just Church of the Harvest, okay, the universal church, we have given the devil far too much credit, far too much credit. Sometimes we blame the devil for things that are just our own stinking thinking, our own bad decisions. Sometimes we need to just buckle down and do what God's word says. Sometimes we need some genuine freedom in our life. Sometimes we've opened the door to the enemy. Andrew Womack said, if you don't bump into the devil, it's because you are both headed in the same direction. If you don't bump into the devil, it's because you're both headed in the same direction. As you seek God, as you seek his will, as you begin pursuing him, you're going to have a fat target on your back. True? The enemy's going to try and take you out before you can make a difference. But the enemy's defeated. Yes, he is. He is absolutely defeated. But he's still looking for every opportunity he can take advantage of. Y'all know John 10.10, the thief does not come except to kill, steal, and destroy. Make no mistake, if you open the door in your life to the enemy, there is the only reason he's there is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Look, our life is an open door. And whatever we focus on is what's going to come right on in through that door. So we may be seeking God with our life and and, and we're pursuing him and we're surrendering and all these things. And, but like talked about, sometimes time goes on. And we start kind of getting distracted by other things. And our focus is from him, it begins shifting a bit. And that open door of our life begins kind of widening to other things. And next thing we know, our focus isn't him. Our focus are these time wasters in our life. These things that are stealing our time. And before we know it, We've opened the door to the enemy to come in and to influence us. And ultimately, he wants to keep you from filling your purpose. The enemy is defeated, but he will take advantage of any opportunity that you'll give him. Isn't that true? We have to stay on guard. And listen to me, we don't have to always learn the hard way. As human beings, it seems sometimes it's the way we learn the best, (laughs) is the hard way. We don't have to. We don't have to do the things the world does. I've heard people say, well, well, I, you know, I, I'll never have a testimony because I grew up in the church and I've always really pursued God in my life and so I can't really minister to anybody. Yes, you can. Just because you haven't gone out and done the things that the world does doesn't mean that you don't, can't be a, an influence. doesn't mean that you don't have a testimony. Jesus didn't do the things the world did and he turned the whole world upside down. You don't have to learn The hard way. We've got to stay on guard knowing we're going to be a target of the enemy. Uh, And then C, the last thing I want to mention under under number one there is stay connected. And guys, I think this is really important. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. Is that the manner of some today? It's talking about coming together with the body of Christ. But exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Let me tell you, once you get in church leadership, you notice one of the first signs that something is wrong in somebody's life is when they pull away from the church. They're faithful, they're attending, they're doing all these things, and the next thing you know, they're kind of taking, slowly taking some steps back. No, I just, I just need a little break. I just need some time. I just need... As people start stepping away from their church family, nothing good comes from that. Nothing good comes from it. Proverbs 18:1 says a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all sound wisdom. Guys, we can't isolate ourselves. We need each other. We need the assembling together of God's people. The Message Bible says uh, in Proverbs 18:1 it says loners who care only for themselves spit on the common good. Isn't that crazy? We were never meant to go anything in life alone. We need the church. I know people who say, I love God, but I don't like the church. I don't like church people. Let me tell you, it's impossible. It's impossible. Firstly, the church is Jesus' bride, so I would suggest that we be careful. What we say about the church, what we even say about the crazy church down the street that we're not sure we necessarily agree with, they're still our brothers and sisters in Christ. We've got to be careful. That's Jesus' bride. We've got to be careful. Tony Campolo said, you dare not decide that you don't need the church. Christ's church is his bride, and his love for her makes him faithful to her, even when she's not faithful to him. Guys, the church is the hope of the world the church is our family. And let me let me just let me just break some bad news to you, I guess. If you don't like the church and you're planning on going to heaven, you're going to be awfully miserable. Cuz we're all going to be up there together. We're all going to be together. God designed the church to be a place that we find and give love and support accountability, and encouragement, we have got to stay connected to the church. The church is where we find life, and we've got to be plugged into the church. Guys, we need to be there every time the doors open. I remember when I was a kid, man, you went to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night, and you went to church on Wednesday night, and you went to intercessory prayer and a special meeting on Saturday. Now it's something if we can... Get a handful of folks out once a week, right? Guys, we have got to stay connected if we want to be in God's will, if we want to fulfill his will for our life. So that's number one. Keep seeking him. Number two, don't get discouraged. And look, I know as we look around with our physical eyes today, it seems like there's a lot of reason to be discouraged. Man, pray for Paris, France. Lord Jesus. The hacker group Anonymous yesterday said that through some hacking and such, they found there was like four different attacks planned for today across the world. Guys, we got to pray. There is reason if we're using our physical eyes to get discouraged. I read a quote. It so said, you have to keep yourself encouraged because you will not fulfill God's will with a defeated attitude. You're, not, you're going to have to resist discouragement. You have to overcome obstacles that have been put in your path. It takes effort. So that's going to be my first point under number two. A is stay focused. Let me tell you, when the world gets you down, you need to adjust your focus. Because you're focusing on the wrong thing. The encouragement we need comes from God's word. The Bible, the words the Lord has spoken to us, our written vision and goals and purpose, we've got to make sure that we don't get distracted. And listen, distractions will cause us to miss divine moments in our life. Will cause, us to, will cause us to miss his blessing and his promises. Will cause us to miss our purpose. Proverbs 73, I'm sorry, Psalm 73, verses 21 through 28 in the uh, New King James, I want to read this. It says, thus my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. Now, how many of you know, if you read much Psalms, David starts off a lot of things like this, right? That that brother was discouraged a lot. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant, I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, he always gets to the nevertheless. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. He's saying, I'm with you, Lord. You hold me, By my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterwards receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. Guys, we have got to be, we've got to stay focused. We have to be in God's Word so that we know what it says when moments of discouragement come. we got to know what God has spoken to us. It's another reason we need to have our dreams and our visions written down. What is it you're pursuing with God for your life right now? You need to have that written down so that you can go back to it. We can't get discouraged. Second thing I was going to mention here is in B, Don't be led by what you hear. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by faith, not by what? Not by sight. Your eyes, your ears, your mind, your feelings, how many of you know they will absolutely deceive you? Absolutely deceive you and lead you away from what God says. They will lead you away from God's will. Proverbs 28, 26 says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. John Piper said, when the storms of life hit, they almost always appear stronger to us than God's word. It is crucial for us to remember that our perceptions can be deceptive. Guys, when when the storms of life seem bigger than what God's word says, we need to adjust our focus. We've got to remember what God said. We have to live life according to the eternal, not the physical that we see around us. We have to fear God, not man. We have to obey God's word even when it conflicts with the commands of man. We have to choose righteousness over sin and we've got to trust God even in the midst of looming circumstances. That is how we choose to not be led by what we see or hear. No matter what the world brings, we must rely solely on what God says. And then the last thing I want to mention under this, actually two more things, C, is be patient and trust his timing. Be patient and trust his timing. Numbers 21, 4, and 5 say, says, The Israelites left Mount Hor by the road that leads to the Gulf of Aqaba in order to go around the territory of Edom. But on the way, the people lost their patience and spoke against God and Moses. How many of you can admit that you've ever gotten impatient with God? Easy thing to do, because we live in a culture that says we can have instant gratification. I know what I want; and I want it right now. And so God speaks to us, and He shows us these dreams and these visions and these things for our lives, and we can get awfully impatient very quickly, can't we? little uh, wake-up call here. Rarely does God act in the way or the time that we expect. How many of you have seen that in your life? Rarely does God act in the way or in the time that we expect him to. Too many times we can see that dream, that vision, and we get impatient. And it's so funny because in those moments, we usually either lose hope and give up, or we try to force it to make something happen that is not the time for it yet. Anybody ever done that? We occasionally, even as a staff, we have to look at what we're doing as a church. And every now and then we come to something and go, why are we doing this again? We can't get enough people to help. Are we doing it just because we've always done it? We've got to stop and we've got to go back and look at it and go, are we forcing something to happen? That maybe doesn't even necessarily need to. It won't really make a difference. And too many times we do that in our lives. We have this dream of what God wants us to do, and we try and force it, and we try and make things happen before the right time. We've got to be patient, and we've got to understand that God has his timing, and we've got to wait for it. Things will not end up well if we don't. Uh, Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. It says be still in the presence of the Lord. Another version says rest in the Lord. Another version says be patient in the Lord. Another version says wait and trust the Lord. Man, that waiting and trusting part can be tough sometimes, can it? Wait and trust, wait and trust. Waiting on God's timing is an act of faith in our lives. It's saying, God, I trust you enough that I'm going to hang on. I'm not going to try and do this on my own strength. I know what you spoke to me and I'm going to stand in faith but I'm going to wait for you. I'm not going to try and get ahead of you. Does that make sense? And I mentioned this last week but I want to mention again. What you're doing right now for God, it's possible that it looks nothing like your purpose. It looks nothing like the outcome. And that's okay. That's okay. We've got to be faithful where God has us right now. Many times our waiting... Is a time of training. We talked about David for a little while last week. If you think about we talked about how David, you know, when he was anointed as king, and after he was anointed as king, he was sent back out to the fields to keep taking care of the sheep, right? Would have been very easy. Most of us, if we had just been anointed king, we were sent back. We, don't you know who the prophet just said, I am? I am the next king. I'm not going out there to take care of the sheep. That's beneath me now. I'm the next king. Many times, our time of waiting is time of training. You realize that David had to take on the lion. David had to take on the bear. He had to take on Goliath. He had to overcome a lot more obstacles too before he became the king of Israel, right? One step at a time. One step at a time. I remember... um, because it's so funny because I talk about don't be uh, about, about dissatisfaction actually, about how dissatisfaction can be God's leading. But sometimes we can be trying to get ahead of ourselves too. There's a place too where we've got to know that we're where God wants us to be and we're content in that. I remember about 10 years ago, I went up to a, a church in Dyersburg for a, um, actually it wasn't even a, what was that? It was a grant writing seminar. Oh, you were there, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we, we were there for a grant writing seminar up in Dyersburg, and it, I mean, it wasn't even necessarily just a Christian event, I mean, it wasn't like there were services or anything, and I remember the very last um, meeting that we had, I was ready to go home. Y'all ever been there? You're in a meeting, and it's time to go home. I mean, it's like, I had checked out, it's time to go. And I'm sitting there, and we came back from a break or something, and we're sitting there, and... He gets, is getting started. He gets up there and gets the mic, and this guy's getting started. He's been talking about all this grant writing. I'm just going, Lord Jesus, I don't know if I can hear any more about this. And he says, I just want to take a moment. He goes, I feel like the Lord wants to do something. And I was like, oh, man, it's turning into a service. I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. And what does he do? He points at me and says, young man, come here. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. And so I walk up front, and I thought, okay. And he goes, I, I feel like the Lord has something for you. I was like, okay, okay, get my heart right, you know. Okay, what's the Lord got for me? What's the Lord got for me? And um, he goes, the Lord wants you to know that you're right where you're at, you're you're in the right place, and you're doing the right thing, and that He's with you. And then it took about five seconds, I was, <laughs> and you know, snot, and you know, it's like <laughs> because that's what I needed in that moment. You get to this place where you're going, isn't there more? Aren't I supposed to be doing more than this? God, didn't you promise more? What am I doing? sitting in a stupid grant writing seminar. No. But, but you get to that place where you're questioning. And you're going, God, don't you have more for me? Isn't there more that I'm supposed to be doing? Aren't I supposed to be further along by now? And sometimes we need to just stop and listen to the Lord. Stop being so busy trying to get home and let him speak to us and say, you're right where you're supposed to be. You're doing just what you're supposed to be doing. I'm with you. Hang tight. Sometimes that's all we need to hear. Be patient. Trust him. Don't give up. Many times when we give up, we're on the verge of a breakthrough, and we just give up. I'm done. Maybe this isn't what God called me to. I'm tired. I understand. But we got to hang in there. And the last point there, D is always persevere. Did any of you guys see the interview this week with Pastor David Blackburn of Resonate Church in Indianapolis? You may not know his name, but you probably know about his wife being murdered last week. What an encouraging couple of interviews that man has done. He comes home to find his wife, his pregnant wife, And his baby dead. And he goes on and he does a couple of interviews that were just powerful. And he's talking about Jesus and his trust in God. And I just thought, my Lord, I hope I would have that kind of strength in that moment to say the things that he said. I found myself a couple times this week praying for him, praying for his family. It's tough. I've got a couple friends I went to Bible school with that are part of his church up in Indianapolis. Spirit-filled church doing some great things. What a place for you to stop and question everything. What a place where, that's where many people question their faith. God would have never let this happen. God, you know, and they start losing their faith. No matter what life brings, we persevere and we stand firm in who God is in our life. He proved that this week. I'm sure we saw him in a very good moment when he was ready. I'm, I'm sure he's having some tough times right now. But he proved who he trusts. God is the one that we trust, and he is the author and finisher of our faith regardless of what happens in this world. Regardless of what happens in this world, God's word to you is true, and it's valid, and he wants to see it fulfilled in you and through you. Don't give up. Hebrews 12 One through three, last thing I want to read to you here, from the New Living. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a large crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Guys, that's powerful. Powerful. You know where the battle is? The battle is right here, isn't it? Where the enemy tries to speak. He tries to speak his lies, his nonsense. Into our ears. We say, No, I know what God's word says. I know what he said to me. I know what he's promised. I know who he is. And we silence him. And we don't allow him to influence us. We don't allow him to lead us astray. We don't allow him to get our focus shifted off of our Father. We have to endure, we have to persevere. We've got to lean on him as the author and finisher of our faith. In wrapping up, guys, if you haven't got it by now, God has huge plans for your life. Huge plans for your life. Don't become weary. Don't give up. Finish the race. Finish the race. Do whatever you've got to do. Don't let circumstances, don't let timing, don't let feelings, don't let sin, don't let offenses, or anything, trip you up and keep you from God's will in your life. Whatever it is that's keeping you. I, talked, I That's what I said last week. I believe there are so many in the body of Christ who just won't allow God to deal with the issues of their heart, and it keeps them from being able to fulfill God's purpose in their life. Do whatever you've got to do. Surrender your life. Finish the race. Finish the race. Persevere no matter what. God has called you to great things. We've got to finish the race. Life is awfully short, isn't it? I think the longer you live, the more you realize it. Life is so short. Sometimes it feels long. Life is short. Don't give up. Finish the race laid out before you let's stand up together let me have our let me have our prayer partners come forward as a lot of guys for some of us it's time it's time to go into a new season in our lives for some of us it's simply time to actually begin trusting God time to begin trusting with our future in our life, to try and stop trying to make things happen on our own. Allow him to do what he created us to do. Allow him to pull the potential that's been placed within us. Let's all bow our heads for just a moment. First, most important thing is that your life be surrendered to Jesus. This means that he is Lord. This means that you are striving every day to do things His way and to live for Him. That you're not living for yourself, you're not living for your own dreams and your own selfish desires, but you're living for Him. You're saying, God, not my will, but Your will in my life. You may have given your life to Jesus at some point, but you realize right now that your life isn't dedicated to Him. You realize you're living life for yourself. You realize that you're very much in control, that you've got the reins, and you recognize that it's time to make a change. You recognize it's time to rededicate your life to the one that loved you so much that he gave his son for you. You might realize that you've never truly committed yourself to God. You've never given your life to Jesus. This is your moment. Bible says all you've got to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. The Bible says if you do that and you mean it and you surrender your life to him, you give up who you are to allow him to shine through you, you become a new creation. The old things are passed away and all things become new. And I guarantee you some of us need a new start today. Some of us need that change. every head bowed if that's you and you would say you know what I've got to make a change today I'm done living life for myself I want to give my life to Jesus just lift your hand to me for just a second see one who else would say I need to give my life to Jesus today yes two who would say I've got to surrender I'm done doing things my own way and my own strength I'm done I submit my will to Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? We're gonna to pray together. And even if you didn't lift your hand, that's all right. It's truly between you and God anyway. We're gonna to pray together and the Bible says, if you mean it, everything changes. Not a part of the world anymore. You become a part of God's family. He makes you his son, his daughter and he calls you his very own. Let's pray this together. Hey, dear God, I am sorry. I'm sorry for the way I've lived my life. I'm sorry for my selfishness. I'm sorry for not looking to you. Today, I make a change. Today, I make a decision. I give you my life. I give you my desires. I give you my dreams. I believe, Jesus, that you came and you gave your life to me as the Son of God. But you didn't stay in the grave. On the third day, you overcame death and you rose again. Today I call you Lord. Today I call you Master. I will live for you from this day forward. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me to do everything that God has called me to do. I will live for you from this day forward. No excuses in Jesus' name.